Welcome to the Money Advantage Podcast, empowering business owners with the permission to think differently about money so that you can consciously choose to live a meaningful and fulfilled life now. Our passion is making money simple, fun, and doable, helping you feel great about your money and getting your money working for you so you can thrive. Hi, and welcome back to the Money Advantage Podcast. Today's interview is about applying poker game theory optimization to entrepreneurship. Now, as we talk about entrepreneurship and really building that life and business that you love, it's about building up your business to be a cash flowing asset or something that you have income coming from this asset, not just from the time and the hours that you spend in it. Now, even if you do build up your business into that cash flowing asset, it's just one small step in the bigger journey of building time and money freedom. That's why we've put together the business owner's cash flow system, where first you're increasing cash flow and keeping more of the money you make, and then you're protecting that money. And finally, you're using it to invest in assets that produce more income and ultimately creating that true financial freedom that's bigger than financial freedom. It's really about having freedom of your time to live your life and spend it the way that you want to. Now, this conversation is going to help you make better decisions in your business with math and logic by using game theory optimization the way that a poker player who really has mastered their craft would do. So who is Jordan River? Well, first of all, he's the son of John and Missy Butcher, who you probably remember we've had on the show before as they talked about LifeBook. Now, he's also a podcaster, entrepreneur, and semi-professional poker player. He's been working in media production for 15 years and currently focuses on podcasting as his main medium. His work in the personal development field includes shows like the Lifebook podcast and the Mastering Happiness podcast with Dr. Joel Wade. Now, in 2018, Jordan turned semi-pro while having a strong year at Texas Hold'em. He continues to play daily, hone his game, and frequently donates 25% of his final table winnings to charities. You can keep up on his poker exploits by following him on Instagram at at Jordan River IG. Let's go ahead and dive into the conversation. I'm Rachel Marshall, along with my co-host, Bruce Weiner. Good morning, Bruce. Good morning, Rachel. It's, uh, it's really exciting. I think uh, the excitement is because uh, this is a little bit of a different type of podcast than we are doing, so I think more people will stay in tune for the entire podcast today because they're wondering how in the heck can we use online poker to actually improve our business. So uh, we're really happy to have uh, Jordan River with us today. Today's guest is Jordan River, entrepreneur, podcaster, and poker player. We're going to talk about how he turned a $50 deposit into $50,000 in online poker winnings in 12 months using GTO or game theory optimization and how using the principles of game theory optimization will help you grow your business. Welcome to the show, Jordan. Hi guys. Thank you so much for having me. I'm a big fan. Absolutely. Well, we are really excited for this interview today. So tell us a little bit about yourself before you got started playing poker. Oh, well, um, I am a podcaster myself. I've been in the music industry since I was about 13, just creating music and recording by myself. I got into podcasting in 2015, and that's been my mainstay ever since. Uh, I started playing poker when I was around 20 years old. I started online, and I wanted to be a poker pro, and I actually took a really big crack at it for a couple years, and to be honest, I failed. I, Mm -hmm. I tried my best. I read all the books. I thought I knew what I was doing. I was very confident, super confident, but I could not make the winnings happen, and I eventually gave up on my dream. 
uh, about oh, wow. three years into trying to be a poker pro. I took a year off and then I returned in February of 2018 and started focusing on this thing called GTO, Game Theory Optimization. And since then, it completely transformed not only my poker game and my life through poker winnings, but just the way that I look at the world and my businesses and my podcasts and everything. Um, so it's really been a wild ride. I'm now in my late 20s and hoping to have a championship bracelet before I'm 30. That is fascinating and really cool that you not only had this dream and you tried it, you failed, and then you came back at it again. And we're really excited to see how your learning has brought you to that level of success and sure. definitely interested to follow your journey as you try to make that championship before age 30 as well. well. Thank you. So um, how did you take that $50 deposit and turn it into $50,000. Walk us through that story. Well, you know, it was mostly a mind state shift. Uh, I'll tell you, poker is a lot like business in a lot of ways. And, you know, when you enter a poker tournament, everyone wants a slice of the pie, right? There's that big prize pool. And in business, it's the same way. That, that big prize pool is America's spending budget, right? And you want to get mm -hmm. in on that pie. And you do your best in the tournament, you know, you play your hand as best you can, you run your business as best you can. And to be honest, don't ever play poker tournaments for justice and don't ever start a business for justice and fairness, because that doesn't happen. You see uh -huh. bad ideas succeed in the business world. You see good ideas fail in the business world. You see bad players win tournaments all the time. There really is no justice there. It's a very complex kind of amalgam of all the different factors that create the competitive landscape is what it is. So if you keep in mind, literally just, it's about making the positive EV moves. It's about making the correct moves and then being okay with where the chips fall. And, and here's what I mean by that, just to come up with a really simple analogy. If I'm sitting there holding pocket aces in a hold'em game, two aces is the best starting cards you can have. And I go all in and someone calls me with pocket kings. I have an 80% chance to beat them no matter what cards come. I'm going to win four out of five times. This is called a plus EV move. I will do this every single time. Anytime you get the chance, you do this move. Now, let's say that it's the last two players and I win the tournament if I win this hand. Four out of five times, I'm going to win the tournament. One out of five times, I'm not going to win the tournament. He's going to hit a king and he's going to get three kings or he's going to make a straight and I'm going to lose. Now, was that the wrong move? That's the question, right? You put your chips in and now they're all gone. You made the wrong move. The answer is no, that's not the wrong move. That is the game theory optimal move. And you're going to want to make that move every single time. Now in business, that's very, very hard because obviously it's not a 52 card deck with an easy way to translate directly into a percent chance. There's many more factors. But the fact right. is there are still, A, people smarter than you out there who can help you learn this sort of game theory and B, technology. Um, one of the one of the big things that transformed my game, Rachel, to actually answer your question directly, is I started working with heads up displays in pokers, and, and and these are softwares that track everything that's going on at the table. It has it has a whole list of statistics for everyone at the table. You know how often they're going to re raise you, how many hands they're playing, how often they're folding to continuation bets on the flop, all of this stuff. That allows you the more you understand statistics and the more statistical data you can have that allows you to understand game theory better and consistently make those plays that should work out in the end. Same with business. You, you, you do your best with a business. And if it's a good idea, hopefully it works. It's not always the case, but you just do what, what should work and what, what actually pays off a proper amount. And we'll get into that in a little bit, but that's kind of a general overarching 
mind state, a, a gestalt, if you will. I love that. And I think it's, it is very applicable to business as you're talking about making the right moves, even if they end up not working out the way you had hoped. And I think sometimes in business, it can be really easy to say, well, hey, let's try this. Oh, it doesn't work. Let's try that. Oh, it doesn't work. But if you follow the map or you follow the process and you follow what you know succeeds in business, if you are serving people and providing that value, if you're scaling your business appropriately, if you're using the right marketing strategies and you're using all of the the pieces that really work on a regular basis, you are going to be in a position where you will eventually win. It's just that sometimes you're going to hit those statistics and you're going to be in the position where you didn't win at that moment. And a hundred percent. I mean, imagine applying a business model to a different idea and then it works. That's what we're talking about here. As long as the business model is a good idea, as long as the business right. model is plus EV is, is game theory optimal, apply it to different ideas until it should work, right? Just because it doesn't work the first time might not mean that it's a bad idea. And just because your your business does take off doesn't mean you did the right things. Complacency is a is a B in the business world, <laughs> right? Success yeah. does not teach you very much. Oh, it's yeah. Inter- it's interesting because oh. you hear these kind of things all the time, and sometimes you you just remember these kind of stories. So it's it's not necessarily that happens all the time, but you hear about the person that made it who actually has been through bankruptcy multiple t- multiple times, and so you know, they're, they're doing the same thing, but because of all the variations you're talking about, uh, they were doing the right things, but they actually, um, they lost that 20% of the time when they had pocket aces. And, and exactly. so it wasn't the wrong thing to do. So they, they just applied that same strategy to the next business adventure. And then they didn't lose that 20%. They actually won the 80% of the time. And so that's why they took off. And that, that's what I was so fascinated by you know, when I first when I first knew we were having you on, I'm thinking, well, I enjoy poker. I enjoy I enjoy statistics. But how can we possibly translate this into business? And within, you know, two sentences of reading what you do, I thought, well, this makes perfect sense. Um, <laughs> and I, I'm really uh, appreciative that you have you were we brought you on today now. You did mention this. You said there's a there's a lot more variables in the business world, and unfortunately, some of those uh, variables are out of your control. So, um, obviously, intervention by government regulation is out of out of control out of your control. That's called government yeah. risk. There's there's additional market risk that uh, can be uh, out of your control. Um, but so, how do you take in this particular theory, because in, in poker, there's, there's, I wouldn't say there's a finite um, variables, but there's definitely um, lesser variables than there is in a life. So what are some yes. of the things a person in business should look at to kind of look at the variables that are in their control so that they can optimize their success levels? A hundred percent. And listen, we can only control what is in our control, right? Focus on what you can control and let go of the rest. Um, but you do need to stay alert and you need to stay cognizant of the landscape. So luckily for me right now, playing online poker in 2019, knock on wood, the legality is in place. I do it from the comfort of my own home. That's fantastic. If you read my hero, Doyle Brunson's autobiography, now when he played, there were more unforeseen circumstances, like someone pulling out a gun and saying, I didn't like the way you played that hand. And then you lose your role. So it's really interesting. No matter what field you're in, you're going to definitely have those. But it's about focusing on what you can control 
and dialing those in as best you can. And like you said, it's tough because you know in business there's there's so many variables. No one knows the math of business. Many people know a corner of the math. You know, I know a lot about this marketing, or I know a lot about upscaling. I know a lot about growing membership programs, whatever. But no one understands business like they understand the game of poker. Uh, there's just way too much going on. So the point is to get with people who know more than you. Get with get with technology and strategies and tools that will allow you to to calculate things beyond your your normal capabilities. Like I said, you know, with the heads up displays, there's so many great tools. For instance, for trading right now, I'm sure there's great entrepreneurship tools out there as well. But get into that technology and get into the knowledge from those people who have been here longer than you, done it before, and frankly, won. You know, people in business. You get all sorts of emotions and feelings and superstitions attached when you create a business. And when someone else succeeds, that can create all sorts of weird emotions. I don't want that guy to succeed. He didn't deserve it. I don't like the way he ran his business. How come he's a success and I'm not? All this stuff, you've mm-hmm. got to let go of that. You've got to completely remove yourself from the situation. Look at it math-wise and copy strategies that work and forget about strategies that don't. I really like where you're coming from because we talk about on a regular basis that you want to focus on principles, not even just strategies, not even just a product. And it, it, I'm hearing and I'm seeing that, okay, if we look at somebody else who had a flash of success and then we say, well, let's just go ahead and copy everything that they did, that's copying maybe their tactic that yes. they might have used. And you're also looking at um, the situation from outside. So you really didn't know everything that was involved in making that success happen. But if they say, we'll just copy exactly what I did and you'll be successful, that's not necessarily applying principles. You're talking about applying principles of game theory optimization. You're saying, let's go back to the basics and do what works every time and know that it will end up working out in the long Paying run. Paying off in the long run. You know, in, in poker, there's something called sample sizes. So the way you learn a percentage is you look at an instance happening over hundreds, thousands, millions of times. And there are computer programs that do this all the time. So it's if you have a small sample size of aces versus kings, kings might win three times in a row. They might hit that one out of five times, three times in a row. Oh my God, you can't beat kings with aces. Well, no, of course not. You want to make that move every single time. Um, so it's about a large sample size. And that's when someone with experience comes in. When someone says, I've started X amount of multinational businesses, they got a large sample size. You know, you've seen your stuff, but for someone who's been in the, de- in the business for 50 years, they've seen more, bottom line. So it's about getting a bigger sample size and just being truly being unbiased and open to the information, the facts and the statistics. I love the lessons that you're working in here. Focus on what you can control. Get with people who know more than you. You're talking about large sample size and being unbiased. What's interesting about being having a large sample size is that's where we talk about as, as well, modeling the successful few. It's not just about saying, oh, hey, what worked once? What are the successful people doing and continuing to do on a regular basis that you hear the same thing in all of the same stories as you follow them? So, so thank you for that. So what are the three things that you need to balance when you're in business, just like in poker, you talk about. You're talking about risk, stake, and reward. And you and you yeah. totally nailed it because this is a really interesting difference in poker and business because the, the risks and rewards in poker is so easy. I'm in against this guy. If I win, I get twice my money. Wouldn't that be nice <laughs> if your business worked like that? And you're like, oh, I can double my money if I make a sale, whatever it is. Um, it does not work like that. Usually the risk is higher and the reward is higher. So let me break this down first. Risk is the percentage 
that you're going to win. That's the odds, right? So if you are aces against kings, you're low risk. You have an 80% to win. The stake is what's in the middle. That's what you can lose, okay? If, if the idea doesn't work out, if the hand doesn't work out. That's whatever you've invested in your company. That's whatever you've invested at the poker table. The reward is what you're going to walk away with if the numbers play out in your favor. So in business, the rewards are immensely high. I mean, you can double your money at a poker table against one guy, but in business, if you, if you hit it big, obviously you can 100x million or whatever, you know, just mm-hmm. completely blow, blow the lid off of the reward side. And that's why everyone wants to get into business, right? But you have to take in those other two things and they always have to balance. And what I mean by that is if there's a chance for a really high reward, then yeah, you might want to take a stab at a less than 50% chance. If you only have a 49% chance to win, but you 100x your money in a long sample size, that's a winning play, right? Same thing goes in poker. Um, the thing is, it's not always one-on-one in poker. So if there's someone else in the pot, some advanced mathematicians say, I have a less than half of a chance to win this. But if I win, I triple up, meaning I, I triple my money, which means this is a profitable move in the long run. So it's okay if your risk, if your odds of winning are low, as long as the payout is extremely high and the stake is affordable, right? By the way, the stake should always be affordable. That's the hardest thing in poker and business, right? Is you can't bet outside of your wallet. Mm-hmm. You just can't. Scared money doesn't make money. It's the same in the business world. You've got to get your stake right. But especially balancing risk and reward where it's okay if you've got a 10% chance to win. It's okay if your business has a 1% chance to win, as long as the reward reflects I'm that I'm so risk. glad you brought that point out because I think um, there's a couple of things that come out all the time in, in um, business. People say, well, you have to uh, spend money to make money. And that is that is true uh, to some extent. But if you understand that this, what you put in um, can either be with the proper uh, risk reward, or it can also be, you can actually grow that money gradually along the way, looking at the particular risk reward. And I imagine you see the same thing in poker. Uh, you have some players that play very conservatively and are very successful because they know conservative odds along uh, um, go a long way if you're very patient and they're very successful. But then you have the more aggressive players that really look at those times and say, yes, I only have a 3% chance of hitting this, but I'm going to 100x and I'm willing to, to take that chance because my, the stake that I have in the game at that particular time is within my reasonableness of loss. And I, I'm wondering if, you're, if you have an opinion about that, Jordan, about the slow and steady works in poker and the aggressiveness works in poker and the slow and steady works in business and the aggressiveness works in business. Yeah, that's a great question. Very insightful. I don't know if there's a right answer because you, especially in poker, you see successful people on both sides. Um, Of course, the most admirable, the most talented, well, maybe not the most talented, but definitely the most admirable and the most exciting players are the aggressive ones who take the chances and win. Mm -hmm. Same in business, right? We all love those stories where I was down to my last $5 or whatever. Jim Carrey writes himself a check for a million dollars. We like those, those long shot stories. Personally, I am more of a conservative player. And, and if you look at, for instance, the player who's won the most World Series of Poker bracelets, he would also be a very conservative player. I don't know if there's a right answer. I think that they're both great options. I think that, and, and by the way, game theory optimization lives mm-hmm. in both of those places. 
It totally does. Mm-hmm. You just need to make sure that the moves you're making will yield positive results in the long run. And you can make both those moves in different spots. It's, it's very interesting. I wouldn't say there's a right or a wrong one, but everybody likes the aggressive, exciting guy more, right? That's just yeah, not- and, and, and I think this is very analogous to not only knowing when to get in, but also knowing when to get out. Mm-hmm. And I think that happens the same thing in poker. It's like, um, I know when to not do something. Um, and even though the math might say in the long run, <clears throat> and, and we talked a little bit about this before the show, even though the math might say in the long run, I should do that, but there's going to be other uh, factors that you have to take into effect. And that might be, there's might be some tells in poker that says, well, the math says this, but I have this particular short-term um, mathematical realization that there's a tell on this particular person. So I know that I should not particularly go with the math at that particular time. Yes. In business, the same thing happens too. A lot of times you want to take the mathematical advantage, but you are nervous about some of the market risk at that time or some of the geopolitical risk that are going on at a particular time. So maybe I should get out at that particular time. 100%. So math is one thing and we all want to take this in. It's almost like I'm, uh, I'm contradicting what we're talking about today, but because you have human emotions that play into this, there are sometimes that human emotions do affect the numbers. What do you think about that particular statement? I think you touched on a couple different important things. And one is timing. So what you were saying about this is the right move mathematically. We know this is GTO. Why aren't we making this move? Well, it's bad timing. Uh, this move works great, you know, 10 out of 12 months, but towards the end of the quarter, towards the end of the cycle or whatever it is, there's a perfect example in that in poker. And I'll try to make this easy to, to grasp. I said that you always want to get aces in because they're the best hand. Well, there's actually a time where you should fold pocket aces without ever even looking at a flop. And players who are hearing me are like, this is absurd. What are you talking about? (laughs) Here's what I mean. Imagine the following scenario. It's a flat payout tournament, meaning the top five players all win the same prize. There's six players left and you're in first place. You're holding pocket aces and there's only one other person in the pot. He has almost as many chips as you and he puts you all in. Now. Hold on a second. We're folding the best hand here. Why are we ever doing that? Well, because only one more person needs to get knocked out and you're all the way in first. All you need to do is wait a couple more hands before someone gets knocked out. You're safe. You're in the money. Why are you throwing away a hand that is literally 80% favorite against any other two cards? It's because the timing was off. You, you got to keep your eyes on the prize. You want that payout, right? So you don't go for the ego boost. You don't go for the uh, blind math. Like you said, you look at the timing as well and you make sure that every move makes sense. I would also say that you kind of touched on breaking out of the mold in general, kind of when you were talking about tells, breaking out of the mold in general is how you develop new strategies. And that's when it's really tough because you're learning these strategies and you're trying to do best practices, but also humans are thinking and learning and growing creatures. So we're trying to add to these systems. And sometimes you do click and say, hey, wait, this isn't the right move. There's something else going on here. So that's also how you develop your own flavor, your own little exploitative advantages. So it definitely is a balance, but I would say it's, it's just, it's about starting from a place of GTO and EV and then kind of stacking on all these other human, you know, things like timing and different observations and intuition and playing that in to make a perfect final decision. 
I, I'm going to butcher this a little bit, but uh, that sounds similar to what Steve Jobs says. We, you know, we're not going to do market research to see what people want in a product. We're going to build a product that people want. And that's so, awesome. Yeah. And so that that's what you're saying is we're, we're people are always or businesses are always, you know, trying to follow a model. But they also realize that the that humans are constantly changing on what they do want according to what is now a new experience in their world. And uh, so you have to then sometimes step out of that box of, uh, well, this is what mathematically is optimal for for that particular um, situation. So great insights. I really appreciate it. That's awesome. And that's where we get innovation. And that's where we get creativity from. And as you're talking about expanding the world that we live in, and making the world a better place for other people as well, who might be following you, or, or maybe you're creating a, a new game theory optimization as you're as you're playing. Mm-hmm. So yeah. what do you do when in business or in poker, there's not a clear right answer, there's no math and logical right answer in that moment? What do you do then? I think the intuitive mind is where you fall back on. Um, again, starting from a place of logic, starting from a place of math, and then sometimes logic and math do put you in really tough spots. There are 50-50 spots. And that's when intuition really does come into play. And for those of you who have heard the interview with my parents from Lifebook, um, Missy Butcher is an amazing uh, exerciser of intuition. And she has a lot to, she's taught me a lot on the subject. Mm. Intuition is it's your gut instinct. Your gut is your first mind. It forms, it forms first in the womb. It is, where it is where your emotions and instinctual reactions live. When you see a snake slithering out of a bush towards you, before your brain even has a chance to think, your stomach drops and your instincts kick in and you feel this, this huge surge coming from where? Well, it's coming from your gut. And that mm-hmm. is huge in poker. And by the way, before there was math and forums full of kids like me all breaking down all the math and updating this stuff to this day, it was just trust your gut, man. It was trust your gut. So poker is interesting in that it comes from that world of feeling, but it's kind of entered into this world of mathematics and technology. You know, Albert Einstein said, or was credited as saying by someone who knew him, he said, our intuitive mind is a sacred gift and our rational mind, a faithful servant. We've created a, we've created a society that honors the servant and has forgotten the gift. And I, th- I think that's really interesting because I think that instinct and emotion kind of gets a bad rap and it's not a good way to run your business based on feeling, but you have to still have that tool for when everything else fails and go with your first instinct, go with your strong instinct, go with your gut. I love that you said that. And I'm I'm not sure exactly the, the quote on this, but I'm reading a book right now called The Science of Being Great. It's by Wallace Waddles. And he talks about the same exact idea. And he talks about if you just use logic or rational, your rational mind, that can lead you to make terrible decisions ethically or really good decisions ethically. And you can be a very good or a very, very bad person if you're just walking in that position of logic and rationalization but he said it's deeper than the logic. It's this this place really of intuition of coming from having your soul aligned and and really oh, coming yes. from a position of really being true to yourself and and following yeah. you know really what your spirit and your soul spiritually, are spiritually exactly. It's a great level. way to put it because you know yeah. why it's because the strategies and the GTO and the best practices and all this stuff that's about effectiveness. Mm. Well, effectiveness isn't good or bad. In fact, effectiveness just amplifies good or bad. 
So, so you're right. It's about keeping that intangible balance as well in in your emotion and your heart and your intuition, as well as, you know, being the robotic poker player that I want to be. What other lessons have you learned in playing poker that really relate to life and being an amazing person and relate over to business? Uh, charity is, is incredible being charitable. Again, uh, I, I had, I had the pleasure to speak to the player who's won the most world series of poker bracelets ever, uh, Phil Helmuth. He, we did a life of podcast together and, um, he's a really interesting guy because he gets a lot of flack because of his antics at the table. He is very competitive and he likes to criticize other people's play. Oh, this guy's an idiot. He doesn't even know how to spell poker. And people get all over him and say, he's a bad ambassador for the sport, all this. It was so interesting to talk to him because he was so nice off of the felt. And not only that, but I go on to learn, he's donated millions of dollars to charity. He's bought all of his brothers and sisters houses and cars. He bought his mom a house and a car. Um, He's just the most charitable, kind guy ever. And, and And I think to myself, okay, well, what's the real legacy here? Okay, if you can be all self-righteous and be a, be Mr. Poker Ambassador, but what have you really done to help other people in the world? That was really, really eye-opening to me. And I don't think it's a coincidence that he has so much success and has so much good luck and also does mm-hmm. all this charity. I actually talked to him about it. I said, I said, Phil, is this like, do you find that being charitable increases your run good is what it's called in poker, getting good cards and you know being in the right spots? It's very complex to look at run good. And he said, yeah, I think it does. And I said, what is that? Is this like, is this like some sort of space karma law where you give away money and then your <laughs> card and the dealer gives you better cards? Or is it more of like a tangible mathematical equation that this stuff really does come around and maybe it does things to your confidence and does things to your, to, to the intangibles. And, um, you know, he kind of answered the latter and he said, the people who I see fail at the final table who get so close and just fail time and time again they have issues with their values and morals being in a line they don't oh, think wow. they deserve to be there they they haven't been charitable they they they're, they're oftentimes they're degenerates it's a, it's a poker term it's i'm not i'm not being extra mean or anything it, it's a poker term for there are the players who are into the sport and there are the players who like to drink and go straight from the poker player to the craps table and those are called the degenerates he says a lot of the time, those are people who are degenerates who drink. They don't give any money to charity. They don't love themselves. And when you're staring down the barrel of a half million dollar grand prize, and then you think to yourself, geez, I treated my kids bad. Do I deserve to be here? Mm-hmm. That's a huge disadvantage. You're, you're, you're oh, shooting yeah. yourself in the foot. So I think being charitable is a great place to start because anyone can be charitable. But it's also about this kind of grander path of generosity and benevolence, especially in a, in a, in a field of work where you literally play a game and, and millions of dollars appear. So it's a very magical kind of profession and you have to treat it accordingly. And honestly, I feel entrepreneurship is the same way, especially large entrepreneurship. It is magic. It's magic money, magic people, magic products, magic things get done and you have to share the magic. It's not fair. If you don't share that magic, you don't got to give it all away, but something. I love what you're saying. And a lot of that comes from the person that you are, this character that you're developing, the the creativity you have, the love that you have for other people. And and it's just so interesting that in business, in finances, the same thing happens. If you are just in it for the money, 
you're hungry for it. You mentioned something about scared money can't make money. There's a lot of people coming from that position of scarcity and lack. And if they don't really truly believe that they're worthy of receiving and having a relationship that that there is a giver and a receiver and both are giving and receiving and this this contribution and this flow that happens yes. with trading money in a in a position of exchange. I mean, that is really what drives monetary success. It's not this I I just have a lot of money or I hundred percent or I got a lot of money or I acquired or I stole or took a lot of money. It's not about the money. It's really about the person that you are that can create that value. And, you know, lives. That. and if you look at the highest level players, they're all in the same boat. They're all about positivity. They're all about competition. And I think that's, I think that says something. You know, I, I was thinking about that, Rachel, we can also uh, apply GTO to businesses in another way that people look at businesses because you know, there is kind of this media government idea that, you know, all these corporations are people that are successful in business, oh, yeah. are, are greedy people, and they're just hoarding all the money and so on and so forth. And they're, they're, they're keeping the, the uh, laborer down, so on and so forth. But it's, it's been my experience that if we want to use pocket aces again, Jordan, as an experience, as a, <laughs> an example, um, yeah, are there times when that happens? Yes, I'd say, you know, one out of five times there are people that are like that. Now, are they going to be successful in the long run? Maybe not, probably not, because GTO will eventually catch up to them over their lifetime. But the majority of the people that I meet in business, and Rachel and I have had the pleasure to actually have on our show, they are actually very pleasant people. They are actually looking out for mankind in general because they are the four Mm -hmm. out of five uh, people that are actually applying the GTO and you know, they're actually applying the charitable and they don't think that uh, business is a zero sum game. In other words, you know, if I'm winning, somebody else is losing. They're just continually trying to 100%. add value into the uh, into the world. And so but I notice in, in my networking and in my working with other business owners, there are a, a percentage, probably the 20 percent of people that are always using that for as an excuse, or they don't feel worthy. I don't want to make a lot of money because I think a lot of people are going to think ill will of me. And and that's not a good position to come from in business. I think it's super sad what's happened to especially my generation and younger. um, And the way that we look at money and wealth creation, it's just backwards. It's totally wrong. Uh, I I do a podcast for the company Lifebook, and I talk to entrepreneurs all the time, just like you guys do. And they are the most generous kind people I've ever met. They always, I mean, I, I, I'm good friends with some of these people. Some of these people stake me in my poker tournaments. We, I have calls with them when I say, I'm working on this project. Can you, can you cough up 30 minutes? You know how many broke losers I grew up with who wouldn't have 30 minutes for me? You know what I mean? It, it yeah. really doesn't have to do anything with that. It doesn't have to do with success or money or anything. I think you touched on it, man. What entrepreneurs like, they like the fray and they like improvement. They like looking at something and going, how can we create more value? How can I make this better? Uh, you talked about making the world a better place. That's what that's what gets those people off. It's not a big wad of cash. They take that wad yeah. of cash and they reinvest it to make Mark II of their product, to make mm-hmm. the next level masterminds. They're trying to do, they're trying to create, they're trying to build. There will always be greedy people stepping on other people in every area of life. In every, and not just in business, in banking and law enforcement and poker. There's cheaters in poker too. Um, but that you have to understand that doesn't define us as a society. It absolutely does not. 
And if you only look at the, if you, if you hold those beliefs and you only look at the examples that reinforce those beliefs, you're going to have a hard time, first of all, just with general happiness in, the, in our society. And then also, mm-hmm. of course, succeeding in any form of business or entrepreneurship. Oh, absolutely. Oh, this is just such good, powerful life lessons. I mean, really, you get what you focus on. And if you look at all the negativity, you're going to get negativity. If you focus on the positive, you're going to get that. And it's about beliefs, too. When you believe things, beliefs are self-reinforcing. And and that goes back to business and, and poker and all that stuff. Beliefs are interchangeable. You can you can remove them and replace them. Do not attach your egos to your beliefs. Do not attach your egos to your outcomes. Stay open always. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. So you seem like you love business and you love playing poker. So is it fun for you? And if it's not fun, what should what should your answer be at that point? That is literally, I have a poker protege and um, he's great. He's a guy named Jake Young. I do expect that he will be a world champion one day. He's, he's really talented and he's, he's just getting learning. And I talk to him all the time and the number one rule, I say this all the time, he goes, oh, I'm on a downswing. I've, I've played six days and six nights in a row, all this stuff. I'm trying to decide if I should take a break, but I'm due for a run, whatever. I go, are you having fun? D- stop playing if you're not having fun. If it's not fun, stop playing. Um, and, and I think that that is the, the number one uh, rule in life. And it doesn't mean quit the game. It means take a break. It means recover. It means focus on yourself. It means find out where this feeling is coming from. You usually have fun. You're usually amped for business. Why is it different today? Do a little bit of meditation. Do a little bit of healing. Listen, there's never going to be zero stress. There's never going to be zero anxiety. Dr. Joel Wade, who I love, he has, a, he has a, a podcast called the Mastering Happiness Podcast. He said, I'm anxious before anything great that I do. And uh, that's very important. But you have to love it on some level. And you have to get that excitement out of it on some level. And business is the same way. I mean, I know you guys, there's nothing worse than sitting down at a poker table with someone who's got their hood up and their sunglasses on and their earbuds in and they're just completely silent. When you guys meet up with a possible business partner or whatever, how much of it is just their attitude and their enthusiasm oh, and showing, oh, yeah. up with, showing up with a smile? It's oh, like, yeah. That is literally, that'll get you so far. You, you'd be stunned. Oh, yes. We talk about having that good energy. And, and it's really, really important. It's contagious. It's, it's inspiring. It's elevating to everyone around you. So absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So what else are you working on and how can people connect with you and follow your work? Okay. Um, let's see. Lifebook. It's a complete life design system. It's pretty heavy. It's a personal development course that allows you to envision and achieve your ideal life, not who whatever personal development guru wants your ideal life to be your ideal life. You come up with the answers. Uh, check out Mind Valley and Lifebook. They do a couple runs every year. But more importantly, I'd like to refer people to the Mastering Happiness podcast by Dr. Joel Wade. It's everywhere. It's on every podcast app. Uh, I mean, I just respect this guy so much. I'm producing his podcast and he, he has life tools that are just so amazing. Uh, I'm doing a coffee, health and science podcast and I'm playing poker. I'm just trying to be a poker pro. So everyone can follow me at Jordan River IG on Instagram. Uh, I'm going to be trying to post more as I enter my, my big year of poker. So check me out there. Other than that, just focusing on my podcasts, focusing on poker. That is awesome. Well, thank you for being an exceptional human today. I am just really surprised. And I guess not surprised. That's the wrong word. I'm really impressed. And I'm really thankful just that you came and offered so much. And it was so much greater than just poker. And it was so much greater than even just business. But just as being that amazing human 
that is investing in the lives of other people. And we definitely felt that high energy, that enthusiasm, that zest for life from you. And, uh, and it's just, it's truly inspiring and exciting to know what, what we can all create together. That is very beautiful. I appreciate your, your compliments and that's what it's all about in life, right? Keep your eye on the prize. It's about happiness. It's about loving your loved ones. And, and that, that should be your end goal, no matter what your uh, current GTO decision you're facing. Thank you, Jordan, for a great interview. Thank you both so much. I really appreciate the guys, the work you guys do. And I look forward to having you on the Lifebook podcast soon. Absolutely. We look forward to that. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thanks guys. Now in closing, remember success leaves clues. So model the successful few, not the crowd and build a life and business you love. Discover the secret of how to earn a return on the same money in two places at the same time so that you can strengthen your investment returns. We've created a free guide for you that explains the top three things every investor needs their privatized banking system to do. Go to themoneyadvantage.com slash banking, put in your name and primary email address, click the send my free guide button right now, and we'll see you on the inside. Thank you for listening to the Money Advantage podcast. Today's show notes and resources are available for you on themoneyadvantage.com. If you like this episode, make sure you subscribe and leave a review. If you have any questions or desire to speak with a qualified financial professional after listening to today's podcast, we encourage you to reach out to us at hello at themoneyadvantage.com or check us out at themoneyadvantage.com. The opinions and views expressed here are for informational purposes only. This material is educational in nature and should not be deemed as a solicitation of any specific product or service. All investments involve risk and a potential loss of principal. Kalos Capital Incorporated nor Kalos Management Incorporated offer tax or legal advice. Please consult with a tax advisor or attorney for advice regarding the impact on your portfolio. Securities offered through Kalos Capital Incorporated Member FINRA, SIPC, MSRB, and Investment Advisory Services offered through Kalos Management Incorporated and Registered Investment Advisor, both located at 11525 Parkwood Circle, Alpharetta, Georgia. E3 Consultants Group is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Kalos Capital Incorporated or Kalos Management Incorporated.